administration consults with social media companies about silencing dissent. The courts say that's clearly unconstitutional and orders the process stopped. The administration orders the practice to continue. Starting to see a pattern? The truth is, it's time for the people to be heard. And when it comes to truth, well, we're the Truth News Network. And shouting the word from the top of the highest mountain is your town crier, Dan Newman. I don't know if I'm top of the tower or whatever, but I'm here, (laughs) and you're here. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Christmas weekend. Oh my gosh, it's Friday, and it's even better this week because we have Friday. We can relax after work, and of course, you're probably going to want to go do some frantic last-minute Christmas shopping, but then you can just join the bazillions of people trying to take advantage early tomorrow morning. I hate getting out early on Christmas Eve because it is rank, unexplainable, crowded, pretty much everywhere you go. We're Americans. We procrastinate, right? (laughs) And of course, today's payday too. That may help a lot of folks get even a little more ready for Christmas. And let me be the first today to say to you, Merry Christmas. Hey guys, it's going to be a good year. It's been a good year in spite of the negativism in the United States. But let me give you a little clue about today's show. First of all, things are going to be a little different. But overnight, just surreptitiously, good news for conservatives, good news for Americans, and bad news for President Joe Biden, and bad news for Democrats just slipped into the blogosphere overnight. You're not going to believe how many things have changed in a matter of just about 10 hours. And the format of the show is going to be slightly different today. I'm not going to tell you right now what it is because we've got people logging in from all over and we want to make sure they don't miss a minute of the meat that we're going to discuss and the fun that we're going to have. Let's start with this. A little twist on a Christmas special song. Go tell it on the mountain. You probably have never heard this version if you don't live around Shreveport anyway. Or silent flocks by night Behold throughout the heavens The shone of holy light Go tell, tell it on the mountain Everywhere Go tell it, tell it on the mountain Jesus Christ
You know what's cool about that? That is the reason for the season. It's not for the commercialism. It's not to get. It's not to go buy a bunch of Christmas presents for people you really would rather not buy the presents for. Ooh, I think I hit a a strain there. A lot of people went, oh my gosh. Yeah, you think about it. We feel obligated at Christmas time. We shouldn't. We should be thankful. Um, Marianne opened the door to the studio during that song, and she said, I'm going to go run and call Billy. <laughs> that was Billy, one of our closest friends for many, many years, that sang lead at the beginning of that version. Country, kind of, go tell it on the mountain. So I told you we're going to have a little different day today for the show. And I came up with this thought, this idea, about 45 minutes before we went on the air. And we're changing the format of the show today. Guess what you're not going to hear today on TNN Live? A single commercial. We're going to bring you several news stories, the ones that I alluded to when I opened the show up, that there's some really big stuff that happened overnight. More, more really big stuff, I think this ever happened on a Thursday night since I've been doing this show. Oh my gosh, what could that possibly be? (laughs) Well, you're going to have to stick around. Now, not having commercials, then what does that mean? We're going to share a lot of Christmas songs together today. And we never do that here. Although you who know me know that I love music. I love all kinds of music. Well, almost all kinds of music. There's a couple of different styles that I would rather not hear, but everybody has their own taste in music. Mine is, I love happy songs. I try to stay away from the dreary ones as much as I possibly can. At a prayer meeting this morning, 6 a.m., Monday through Friday, I do, I'm part of a prayer meeting that happens at our church for 30 minutes. It's a great way to start the day. Get a little scripture in your heart and have some people you can pray with. Makes you always feel better, at least it does me, that I'm doing this with somebody that's like-minded. And first of all, I want to thank you all for being part of TNN Live. You share a couple hours a day, most of you, and if you can't get it all in one dose, you can always go back and download TNN Live for every day, Monday through Friday. You can go to your favorite podcast hosting site, Spotify, Google, Stitch In, iHeartRadio, all of the typical hosting sites, and just put in TNN Live, and it'll take you right to our, um, I guess, our index of all of our shows. We're four years old now. We're about to start our fifth year of TNN Live. That's amazing to me, but there's a lot of stuff in our rearview mirror of important things that we learned about together. And it's always pretty good every once in a while to just go back and reminisce and, hey, did you ever think this was going on and listen to one of those shows and the contents in it? Ah, you don't have a lot of time, especially right now. I don't even know why I mentioned that. It's Christmas time. Let's just be together and be with those that we love. And speaking of people we love, We're going to play a Christmas song right now. Shock, right? Well, when we come back at the end of this Christmas song, one of those big events that came out overnight, I'm going to share with you 
But in the meantime, we're going down to South Louisiana. Aaron Neville of the Neville Brothers with a great classic. Bells were beating, ringing, ringing. The glad, glad news. Oh, what a Christmas to have the blues. My baby's gone. I have no friend to wish me greetings once again. Choirs will be singing Saturday night, Christmas carols by candlelight. Please come on for Christmas. If not for Christmas By New Year's night Friends and relations Send salutations Sure as the stars Shine above This is Christmas Yes, Christmas, my dear The time of year To be With the one you love Oh, won't you tell me You never go wrong Christmas and New Year Will find you home There'll be no more sorrow, no grief and pain Cause I'll be happy, happy once again Bring back a memory or two, maybe not the Aaron Neville version of that song, but that is a classic. And boy, back in the 60s, my goodness, everybody at Christmas time, everybody who could sing and many that can't sing and couldn't then, everybody knows the words to please come home for Christmas. Well, if you joined us late today, you're not alone. It's time for us to just do Christmas stuff, right? Most of us are off work today or maybe half day, and we're going to do Christmas stuff. And I applaud you for making those choices if you're, you're able to. And if you're able to do the work things and still listen to us, we changed the format a little bit. No commercials today. Yeah, on the show, we're going to talk about the big stories, the biggest stories. And if you also missed the top of this, this show today, I told you overnight there's some amazing things that have either been revealed or have been initiated 
in important areas of our world, especially our government. So we're going to top just up at the topic and do maybe a little analysis on some of these stories. But we're going to spend the day relaxing. At least this next two hours today, you don't have to rush to do anything. Just share the day and drink a cup of coffee, maybe a second or third while we're doing this. The mainstream media folks, a bunch of them, have awakened in the last 10 days. And finally, (laughs) mainstream media, at least most of them, and yeah, it's true, most of them, are now beginning to see the truth. Maybe they've seen it before, but the way they operate is we can't talk about positive stuff. Certainly not about uh, the orange man, Donald Trump. Well, guess what? After the Colorado Supreme Court ruling that booted Trump off the Colorado election ballot for president, just for Trump, they kicked him off. Media is coming out and thinking that maybe, oh, maybe that just wasn't a good thing to do. Several of these outlets published pieces yesterday and today that argue that the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to keep Trump from the state's primary ballot, it's a gift. It's a gift to who? To Trump's re-election campaign. Columns on CNN. Oh, my gosh. The Los Angeles Times, a report from even NBC News. Those reports insist that the Colorado Supreme Court's invocation of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to remove Trump from the ballot, it's doing just the opposite of blocking him from being president again. It gives him a big boost. That's how the L.A. Times columnist Mark Barabek described the 4-3 ruling in his piece titled, Colorado Decision Striking Trump from the Ballot is a Boost, Not a Setback for the Trump Campaign. In his column Tuesday, Barabrak wrote, Donald Trump received an early Christmas present, courtesy of the Colorado Supreme Court. He said that though the decision has been seen as something to be celebrated by Democrats and Trump foes, in the long term, the ruling may well be moot. The columnist said, but a perceived assault on the insurrectionist ex-pres by Democrat-appointed Colorado justices, no less, is only going to make him more sympathetic to the GOP base. His support in polls soared last April after the first of those four indictments. Barabbas continued describing the court's decision. It's just another attempt at an easy out for Democrats and their orange man Trump problem. (laughs) And they've got one. They're counting on rulings like the one of Colorado Supreme Court or other legal efforts underway in California and other states to banish Trump from the ballot in the threat of his return to the White House. But there's no easy shortcut to short-circuit Trump's comeback, notwithstanding the exultation over Tuesday's court decision. He concluded saying Democrats will have to beat him at the ballot box, as they should. A courtroom is no place to decide a presidential election which is exactly what the Supreme Court did in 2000. 
So in a column published over at CNN.com, University of Pennsylvania political science senior lecturer Damon Linker proclaimed Colorado Supreme Court's Tuesday Trump decision is breathtakingly stupid. He told his readers that he considers Trump an aspiring authoritarian who poses a serious threat to democracy in America. However, he noted that the idea that the 14th Amendment can be used to keep him from the office is an illusion. I don't even think Linker is is a lawyer. But he said Trump fundamentally represents a political problem, which means he can only be beaten in the political arena. Efforts to take him down by any other means will only embolden and make him stronger. This guy explained that for a standard politician, a ruling like this could end their career. However, a populist, a populist, that's the key to this. That means his policies, his promises, and what he did after he was elected went straight to the heart of the population of the United States, and they liked it. Further, Linker claimed that courts in other states are sure to follow and we know they will. It'll only make Republicans trust the judicial branch in the country less than they do. I can't think of a series of events more likely than this to shred the legitimacy of the judicial branch of government among Republican voters, and for good reason. He then advised that the best outcome of this episode would be for the Supreme Court to strike down the Colorado ruling very quickly and unambiguously making clear that for now, no state will be permitted to disqualify Trump from seeking or holding the office of the presidency. I don't matter if it matters. I don't know. I really don't know if it matters to you what I think, but I don't think this is going to happen. I think the Supreme Court, to negate the Colorado Supreme Court action, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to have to be demonstrative in their finding because there are other states and Democrats in states, I guess all other states, they're licking their chops to think maybe we can get rid of him. And like Barabic, Linker added, Trump and his populist style of politics can't be defeated by lawyers and judges. They can only be beaten at the ballot box. And then there's the big broadcast, NBCnews.com. They published a story Wednesday about political insiders in both parties that are claiming that Colorado's decision will help the former president in his quest to win the Republican nomination. The piece that was composed by network reporters Jonathan Allen, Catherine Doyle, and Dasha Burns noted that some Democrats fear it could boost him next November Two, you know the first telltale sign they should have all picked up on when the indictments started coming down every time a new batch of them went public what happened to Trump as far as the American people were his approval ratings went up dramatically every single time they issued a new indictment the NBC.com piece noted the former press has been able to use previous indictments to shore up his Republican support for the 2024 race 
And he's attempting to use this decision in the same way. Trump is reaping immediate political rewards. Shortly after the decision was handed down, he sent out a fundraising pitch. NBC News then talked about multiple Democrat Party figures who believe the Colorado Supreme Court handed Trump a gift like uh, David Oxelrod, former Obama advisor, Axelrod, who called Trump's legal problems battery packs for his campaign. The story also quoted Democrat strategist Chris Kofinas, who said the optics of the decision before any court has ruled on his indictments just feeds the Trump persecution complex. And, unfathomable as it may sound to Democrats, this will likely strengthen him as if he needs more strength. He's destroying his opponents and hasn't participated in a single debate among the Republican contenders for the nomination. He's so far ahead, I don't think anybody can see it. Before we finish this today, we're going to tell you what Governor Ron DeSantis said yesterday. It will blow your mind what DeSantis said. He's just being honest with what he's doing out there, and I guess basically for the first time. So, if you just joined us, I'll say it again, we're in a different vein today at TNN Live. No commercials, commercial-free. We're going to do, we're going to stop and do the highlights of the biggest stories overnight and so far this morning. We'll talk to you and discuss some things with you. You're not probably not going to hear them from any other source. And in between all of that, what we're going to do is listen to some really, really good songs. I like Christmas music. Always did. You want to hear some more? Have yourself a merry little Christmas Let your heart be light From now on our troubles will be out of sight A merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on Our troubles will be miles away
him especially at Christmas time sadly passed away too young anyway again I want to thank you for joining us a special edition of TNN live today no commercials some news the important things but we're celebrating that time of year that time of year and uh, I like it if you're here listening You like it too. I told you we have some big news that we're going to tackle, give you the biggest ones. And folks, it is flooding into the news cycle like I've never seen happen in just days before Christmas ever. Of course, we know Colorado Supreme Court took Donald Trump off of the Colorado election ballot. 
for 2024. They disqualified him. He, according to the Colorado State um, Supreme Court, he will not be on the ballot in their state. So a lot of people are reaching out. As we told you, the very first thing we talked about, a lot of Democrats, a lot of Democrats that are really plugged in, they're saying this was a huge mistake. And it's only emboldened Donald Trump and his campaign efforts. That's not all that's happening. Republicans, Republicans in Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania, (laughs) guess what they're doing? They're drafting bills they're going to introduce in their respective states next week, and guess what they're going to do? They're going to remove Joe Biden from ballots in their states, Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania. Now, that seems kind of trivial, don't you? You think? Three Republican state lawmakers are drafting legislation to remove Joe Biden from ballots in Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania. Now, think about that. Oh, that could never happen. Well, a Supreme Court, a state Supreme Court, I would have thought until this week they would never be able to kick off anybody running for president if they had the three qualifications that are mandatory for anybody to run for president. If Biden does get removed from these ballots, listen to this. Joe will have extreme difficulty winning the Democrat primary and presidential election. Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania are three of the four vital swing states. So the three representatives who are drafting these three bills are Pennsylvania Rep. Aaron Bernstein, a Republican, Georgia Rep. Charlize Byrd, also Republican, Arizona Representative Corey Magar. These state reps, they aim to fight back against the Democrats' so-called lawfare. How in the heck could they describe what they're doing as lawfare? They're using it to attack Donald Trump. Colorado Supreme Court ruled Tuesday 4-3 that the United States Constitution's insurrection clause blocks Trump from appearing on their state, Colorado's ballot. We're joining forces to introduce legislation to remove Joe from the ballot in Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania. The absurdity of radical Democrat judges removing Trump from the ballot in Colorado will be a stain on the American political system for decades. By their very own interpretation of the law, Joe Biden is 100% not eligible to run for political office. Democrats' insane justification to remove Trump can just as easily be applied to Joe Biden for his insurrection along the southern border and his corrupt family business dealings with China. Colorado radicals just changed the game. We're not going to sit quietly while they destroy our republic. To be clear, our objective is to showcase the absurdity of the Colorado Supreme Court's decision and allow every candidate to be on the ballot in every state. To do that, we must fight back as Republicans against the communist currently running our great country. I don't need to tell you this. If you're conservative, if you're a Republican especially, you were 
immediately incensed by the Colorado Supreme Court's decision. Many floated ideas to block Biden from various state ballots. Texas Republicans, they threatened to take action predicated on Biden's open border policies, but they have yet not taken any action. While GOP elites are asleep at the wheel, Democrats are very serious about destroying the American Republic. That's political strategist Cliff Maloney. Thank God for patriots like Aaron Bernstein, Charlize Byrd, and Corey McGar for stepping up to fight back. Wow. That's a game changer if any of that happens. So guess what else has popped up in the news atmosphere? The media are going crazy with a story about President Trump pressuring two Republican vote canvassers in Michigan's Wayne County. It's been all over the news for, I guess, two years now, going on three. He allegedly reached out to two Republican canvassers in Michigan's Wayne County, and he wanted them not to certify 2020 election results. And guess what came out overnight? He didn't do that, but there was election canvassers that were tried tried to get them to switch their vote the other way. This news is coming out of Detroit this morning. There was audio of Trump speaking by phone to the Republican canvassers, urging them to hold the line amid questions about any discrepancies between the number of absentee ballots cast and those counted. The revelation of the contents of that phone call comes as he faces those four counts of criminal conspiracy to defraud the U.S. and its voters the rightful outcome of the election. Efforts to stop certification of Democrat Joe's 154,000 vote victory in Michigan are an integral part of the indictment. But the truth is the opposite. The Republican canvassers were pressured by Democrats to switch their vote from Trump to Joe Biden. And they did it. They switched them, which was illegal. What do we call that? Uh, Election fraud? You can't say that in the United States of America. We have no lawmakers on Capitol Hill that will even utter that as a possible alleged activity. Even though we're finding almost every day voter fraud across our nation in the 2020 election, but you can't talk about it. The Republican canvassers caved after they sustained withering attacks from Democrat activists in Michigan. Ned Stabler, whose Twitter profile said he lives in Ann Arbor, not even in Wayne County, by the way. He assailed the two Republicans on the board. Here's a report. Two Republican members voted not to certify the ballots. Public comment is now open, and it is intense. People calling board members racist. This is commentator Ned Stabler. Quote, just know when you try to sleep tonight that millions of people around the world now on Twitter know the name 
Monica Palmer, and Bill Hartman, he said, referring to those two Republican canvassers as two people completely racist and without any understanding of what integrity means or a shred of human decency. The law's not on your side. History won't be on your side either. And by the way, we need to remember this. You remember those 18 Democrat lawmakers that we played their actual verbiage in the 2016, after the 2016 election, 18 of those Democrat lawmakers stood up and demanded, demanded that Donald Trump and his victory in that election be tossed out the window. It's okay if you're a Democrat, you can do that. But it doesn't matter who you are. If you go against anything that they say is okay and you do the opposite, oh my gosh, they're going to jump all over you. And now they got busted. But not only the Democrats that pressured these two vote canvassers, the canvassers themselves, they got pressure and they flipped. And so two of those votes out of Wayne County were flipped illegally by vote canvassers. I love it when this kind of stuff gets exposed. I love it. You want to hear one more? We're going to go back to some good songs. Leslie Wolf, you remember that name? She is the federal prosecutor that handled basically all of the Hunter Biden stuff up in Delaware, the investigation. Leslie Wolf was asked to explain an order that she gave to prosecutors and told them to take Joe Biden's name off a search warrant in the Hunter Biden case. Now, her name's been up really high in conversations around all of this Hunter Biden, Joe Biden stuff. And this former... U.S. Attorney for the District of Delaware, Leslie Wolf. She would not tell lawmakers why she protected Joe from a planned search warrant ahead of the 2020 presidential election. Wolf testified before the House Judiciary Committee on December 14th, and she refused to discuss an email that she sent back in August of 2020 that instructed FBI agent Joshua Wilson to take Biden's name off a draft search warrant during the Hunter Biden investigation. Now, this is from a transcript of her testimony before Congress. This is an email chain between you and FBI Special Agent Joshua Wilson. In the last sentence of the email that you sent, here's what it says, quote, there should be nothing about political figure one in here. Can you tell us who political figure one is? She was asked by one of the members of Congress on that committee. Looking at page two of the document, it would be, well, who's described as former Vice President Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., now President Biden? She responded. And can you tell us why you wrote, quote, there should be nothing about political figure one in here? And she said, so I am not able to answer questions about this particular search warrant on this particular draft, she said. 
and then proceeded to give a lengthy explanation of how drafting search warrants works and the requirements to get one. So in this instance, you stand by your statement that there should be nothing about figure one in here? And she said, I'm not able to speak to this particular warrant. She insisted political bias didn't play a role in her decision to have Joe removed from the search warrant, and she referred to her opening statement where she defended herself. Throughout her testimony, she claimed her actions on the Hunter Biden case were in line with DOJ policy. Okay, but in your opening statement, I think you indicated that none of these decisions were made for political reasons. Is that fair to say? Her response, that is reflected in my opening statement, and I agree with that. Okay, so to extent you didn't, you asked the agents to take out political figure one. There was no political motivation in requesting that? Wolf, I refer back to my opening statement where I said no time there was politics playing a role in those decisions. You'll never, re- you'll never forget these guys, IRS whistleblowers Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler. They, before the same committee, accused Wolf of giving Hunter special treatment by slow walking and shutting down investigative steps, like searching Joe Biden's Delaware guest house and Hunter Biden's Northern Virginia storage locker. Two weeks ago, she just decided all of a sudden... I'm going to quit my job. She left the DOJ. And that was right after these accusations were made by Ziegler and Shapley. Wolf similarly refused to address a memo written by Shapley detailing how she ignored potential campaign finance issues that surrounded Hunter's financier, Kevin Morris. The House Ways and Means Committee released a trove of documents in September that were provided by these two IRS whistleblowers to support their first testimony. Among those was the email that Wolf sent Wilson in August of 2020 referring to that political figure number one, which is Joe Biden, and telling him to remove the figure from the Blue Star search warrant. A draft copy of the search warrant shows political figure one was then-Democrat presidential candidate. He wasn't even in office yet. Joe Biden. As a priority, someone needs to redraft Attachment B. I'm not sure what this is cut and pasted from, but other than the attribution, location, and identity stuff at the end, none of it is appropriate and within the scope of the warrant. Please focus on FARA, evidence only. There should be nothing about Joe Biden in here. That was in her email to Wilson. So Shapley, when he testified back in May, he explained how Wolf and the DOJ stonewalling of the Blue Star search hindered the Foreign Agents Registration Act, that's FARA, the aspect of that in the Hunter Biden probe. September 3rd, 2020, the slow walking of process continued when AUSA Wolf stated that a search warrant for the emails for Blue Star Strategies was being sat on by the OEO. That's Shapley speaking to the House Ways and Means Committee. She indicated it would likely not get approved. 
This was a big blow to the Foreign Agents Registration Act piece of the investigation. Remember this, Ukrainian energy firm Burisma, Burisma Holdings, hired Blue Star to lobby the Obama administration back in 2015 ahead of then-Vice President Biden's December 2015 trip to Ukraine. Any uh, Anything you notice that seems a little bit uh, underhanded in this? This all happened in the same month. Blue Star sent Burisma Joe Biden's talking points for the trip a couple of days before it happened. A memo released by the Ways and Committee Ways and Means Committee shows that. Year before, Joe used an alias to exchange dozens of emails with Hunter's business associate, Eric Schwerwin, with most of their communications happening around Joe's June 14th Ukraine trip. That's been confirmed by email metadata. In late 2016, Blue Star and Schwerin celebrated a victory lap when it appeared Burisma founder Mykola Slochevsky was going to be cleared by Ukrainian authorities, emails said. Blue Star also did lobbying work for the Ukrainian prosecutor who decided to go easy on Slochevsky. That's according to internal State Department emails. All the facts are there. They're all pointing at Joe Biden. The Ukrainian, and listen, Donald Trump was impeached twice for far less than even the just alleged things that are showing up about Joe. This Ukrainian prosecutor, prosecutor who left off Lochevsky replaced Viktor Shokin, a prosecutor who was fired after Joe Biden threatened to withhold a billion dollars of loan guarantees for Ukraine. And by the way, Barack Obama's State Department had cleared that supposed evil, illegal Victor Shokin. They applauded what he was doing. They were concerned about it. They watched him do his business. And months before this took place, they put it in writing, congratulating Victor Shokin, and they support him wholeheartedly. Burisma considered Victor Shokin a threat to the firm's business. Former Burisma board member and Hunter Biden business associate Devin Archer told Daily Caller co-founder Tucker Carlson that. Archer testified before the House committee in July, recalled how the Biden family brand protected Burisma from scrutiny. He also told lawmakers about a spring 2015 dinner that Joe was at alongside Burisma executive Vadim Porsharsky. Burisma paid Hunter 80 grand a month, do the math, that's a million a year, when his father was leading the Obama administration's Ukraine policy. That's from bank records. That's not hearsay or testimony. It's a fact. His salary from Burisma dropped significantly when former President Trump took office, a federal indictment leveled against Hunter Biden in California is evidence of that. We hadn't heard that till now. And we know this. Hunter's facing nine federal tax charges, three federal gun charges. And don't forget, Joe Biden, when asked, he said it over and over and over again, he will not pardon his son. If you believe that, if Hunter gets sentenced to prison and Joe won't pardon him, 
you're smoking something that's got all of your brain laying on the floor in front of you. Biden pardoned criminals, a whole slew of them, quietly yesterday, all on drug offenses. You know, those evil things. We played you over and over again a soundbite back from the 90s, the late 90s, when Joe was in the Senate. And you remember the three strikes you're out, Bill? He was involved in that from the floor of the Senate. He said everybody that gets convicted of drug violations, every one of them, you're going to jail. And if it's your third offense, you're going to jail for life. And they should get more than life. That's what our president today said. And then yesterday, several dozen federal prisoners were pardoned. Hmm. When I hear those things happen, (laughs) I'm always looking, let's find the truth on this. You never can trust. You just can't trust what's coming out of Washington, D.C. and what people are saying. Well, I want to say Merry Christmas. I'll say it several times to you today. Last time we're going to be together before Sunday, Christmas Day. And if you just joined us, what we're doing today is we're celebrating Christmas two days early. And we're doing it. Greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rushes through. But I still have one wish to make. A special one for you. Merry Christmas, darling. We're apart, that's true. But I can dream, and in my dreams, I'm Christmasing with you. Holidays are joyful There's always something new But every day is a holiday When I'm near to you The lights on my tree I wish you could see I wish it every day The logs on the fire Fill me with desire To see you and to say That I wish you Merry Christmas Happy New Year to Be 
you but I miss her always loved her song and anything she did Ralph Carmichael managed them and wrote most of their music he was a great guy I mean he really was he was one of the best in business oh well we lose great people all the time I'm thankful you're still with us you have yet to assume room temperature <laughs> that's kind of crass but Rush Limbaugh invented that term when you die. You didn't die, you just assumed room temperature. You know what I miss? I miss the waves. I miss the crystal clear blue water. I miss being in shorts and a t-shirt this time of year. Let's have an island Christmas. I don't wanna smell those chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I can peel you a banana.
place in the islands. He lives in Maine. That's where he grew up. But uh, I guarantee you, he and his wife and dogs, they're big dog people. They're in the islands for an island Christmas. And hey, we think of Christmas, that's when it's supposed to snow and doggone it, if you live in Louisiana, how many times in your lifetime have you seen snow at Christmas? The only way you do is you go to the mountains. And I like, I like to go look at the mountains. Marianne and I actually met in Colorado on a ski retreat. And then after we got married for years, we and three other couples in North Louisiana, we would go to New Mexico, Taos, New Mexico, the third week of January and ski for a week. And the bad thing about going, you knew you were going to have a lot of snow in Taos. I mean, one time we even went and we stayed at a ski-in, ski-out lodge that was built into the side of the snow mountain, and so you couldn't even drive your vehicle up to the condo. They had to come down and get you and all your stuff to take you up to your condo, and you didn't leave Taos Ski Valley. Everything you needed were there, restaurants and bars and all kinds of things to do, and we had a hot tub in our condo, so we just loved it, but We got tired because we never let ourselves get in the physical position where we should be regarding our breathing. 
And when you go up to eight, nine, ten thousand feet and you're skiing, <laughs> every minute, every second you think you're gonna pass out. And so Marianne got got air altitude sick the last week we were there the last time. And it was so bad she passed out. We were up on the top of the second, the backside mountain, and we had to call ski patrol and they put her in one of those litters and skied all the way back down to our condo. They were like going 90 miles an hour. I couldn't keep up with them. And by the time I got back to our condo, they had her on the couch. She was all bundled up in the fireplace. And we were sitting there talking. And I asked her, I said, do you really enjoy this? And she said, no, I don't. And she said, what about you? And I said, no, I don't. The only thing I like about it is I love the view of snow and being away from everybody. And, you know, you see the snow, you get a little bit of the cold, and then you come back inside. That's okay. And she said, you want to come back next year and keep this whole thing going? I said, I really don't. What about you? She said, I don't either. We've never been back skiing. (laughs) And that was Gosh, 40-something years ago, I like watching it. But you know what I like more? The sounds in person of that song you just heard, Michael Franks. I want an island Christmas. I want to go sit on the sand and squish my toes in the sand and not be cold with beautiful water and great food and just relax. That's all you have to do for a week. Wouldn't that be wonderful right now today? Now, I'm not diminishing Christmas. It's a big deal. Our whole family will be together Sunday. And we're pretty big, a bunch of us, a big group when we do get together. It's a wonderful time of the year for family and friends. And I'm not diminishing that. But I wish I could move everybody just for a week every year to the islands And just have family there one time, just one time. I think if we did that, and we go to the beach until the last few years as our grandkids are growing up and leaving, we for years, we did a family vacation to the beach every summer, a week at least. So we all love it. For some reason, we don't go back. We need to change things. You know, the definition of insanity is when you find something you really like, and you really like doing it, you really like being where you are that you enjoy so much and with the people you love, you should never quit that. We should never have quit that. We're going to be together Sunday, all of us. Maybe I'll talk to them. Maybe I'll get them to listen and think about next Christmas. Hmm, next Christmas. You want to go back to the beach this time? I don't know. I bet you I'd have some takers, and I bet you we can make it work if we planned it far enough in advance. Well, I told you today, we're concentrating. No commercials on the show today. This has never happened in four years. We're an hour and six minutes into this show, and there have been no commercials. There have been some good music. We've talked about some amazing stories that I never would have thought it would have come up and uh, been published this week. It's not looking really good for the president, President Biden right now. And every day, something else comes out. It's going to be tough for him from here to the end of his presidency, whenever that is. 
but he's making some really stupid choices at things that he does. And it's so obvious to every voter why he's doing it. He's trying to buy votes. He's trying to buy support. And one of the most recent things that he thinks helped him, and it may have helped him from a few thousand people, and I'm talking about people that have college debt and his decision to, on his own, without Congress's approval, to wave the magic wand and cancel debt for tens of thousands of people that went to college. Most of them didn't finish college, and they won't pay their bills. And so if you remember the first round, when he did it, it was a, it was, there was a lawsuit, and the lawsuit ruled against him. It was appealed, went to a higher court, all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, you can't do it. You don't have authority to do that. That's something the administrative office cannot do. It has to come through the legislative branch of government. And he just basically shot the Supreme Court justices the bird and said, I'm going to do it anyway. And so he, he announced last week a new plan. And so... On the five on Fox News, led by Judge Janine, she literally is an attorney and was a judge for a long time, they asked this question. Joe, doing what he's doing again this time, thumbing his nose in the Supreme Court's faces. Judge Janine wants to know, did he create a student debt bomb? Did Joe Biden just create a student debt bomb? After pausing payments for three years and promising to wipe out their loans, college grads aren't paying them at an alarming rate. A staggering 40% of borrowers skipped out on their first bills due in October after the pandemic pause was lifted. So why are grads refusing to pay back their loans? Young borrowers claim they don't care if their credit gets crushed because they won't be able to afford a home someday anyway. So what if I don't pay my student loans, what are you going to do? Ruin my credit so I can't buy the house that I wasn't even going to be able to buy ever in my lifetime anyways. And thankfully, Joe Biden isn't the one crunching the numbers. The president bragging about relieving debt for over 130 million Americans, even though there are only 40 million with loans. I, uh, I went to the Supreme Court my, to eliminate student debt that was out there. And guess what? Supreme Court ruled against, but I still got 136 million people's debt relieved. Dana, what's he talking about? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they're counting up the numbers. I mean, this is the problem of trying to buy votes. Okay, so he overpromised and he underdelivered. The Supreme Court said you can't do this. He said, right, okay, got it. And then the left went nuts, and he said, oh wait, never mind, I will do it anyway. And then they sort of did a half measure. But what the young woman was saying that you played the, what the, the, did the TikTok video, I think this is a real issue for young people. And candidates from both sides of the aisle have to figure out some sort of message for them. What is the future? What is the hope? There was a time when paying off your debt was a source of pride and relief. And you're like, I did it. And I understand that they have a lot of debt, but they also have degrees. And there's a problem with the universities charging way too much. I read today about how much it costs for just room and board 
at these universities because they have apartments that are nicer than anything I lived in for the first 10 years after uh, high school when I was in college. So I think this is also happening with the migrants, right? So you promise a path to citizenship. You promise that you're not going to do deportations. You promise that there's not going to be a problem of you finding work in this country. When you're running for president, you become president. You don't push that back. No wonder the migrants don't stop coming. No wonder they're not going to pay their student loans. But I am concerned about young people feeling like they are not going to be able to make it. And again, it's probably why you see in the polls, young people starting to say, let me take a look at least at the other party. Even if they don't like President Trump directly, they might be able to say, let me look at something else, because clearly these last few years are not working for them. All right, Harold. So uh, if you look at the TikTok, I mean, these young people are making 50000 a year. They've got debt of 38,000, and they want the average house is 400,000. Is this because of Bidenomics? Well, first of all, I, I would question the college or the college education one receives if they've graduated from college and one of their first acts is to say they're not going to pay back their college debt yeah. and then advertise it on TikTok and self promote mm -hmm. and then hide behind this abs absurd notion that you don't want to pay your debts off. Uh, you don't care if your credit gets crushed because you're not going to be able to afford a home. Anyway, this is a young woman who has no idea what her future holds. I would hope that she would want to work hard and play by the rules but she and doesn't. take some chances and risk. But and that's what we should be promoting. I, I've said all along, the student loan forgiveness, the, the blanket forgiveness was not what I would have done. I understand trying to incentivize people to go into areas where we need more workers, we need more thinkers, we need more doers. Uh, being in the medical field, the teaching field, the law enforcement field, we've talked about truck drivers and others. I get that. But just to give it to anyone... Um, and then to hear this young lady, uh, I hope that just piece of advice to anyone who's not going to pay their debt back. I, I've tried to pay my debts off. Don't go on TikTok and say that you're not going to pay it back because you don't care. Um, in any college that has graduates that are doing that, you should send them notices saying, please don't send money back to university. Come back and let us give you an economics course because you have to pay your debt back. And the president should be saying the same thing as well. People got a big pause. And now we're asking everybody to chip in and do their part. Well, isn't the president, Jesse, incentivizing these high costs and the high cost of college by, you know, even trying to begin to pay the loans for these young people? If I were a conspiracy theorist. Yes. If. <laughs> yes. It's a big if. I would say they broke the bank, so the rates had to get jacked up, which forces young Americans to move back home with their parents. So then they're not dating and then they're not getting married, and then they're not having babies, which drives the birth rate down so Biden can open the borders to grow <laughs> oh, up population supplement. growth. Yes. If I were a conspiracy theorist. But you're not. But I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> today. But it, it, Hunter does the same thing. Why should anybody pay their loan off when the son of the president doesn't even pay his taxes? Yeah. I mean, he's conspiring with his son to blow off a congressional subpoena. Mm -hmm. They don't care about these people. They do whatever they want. And, you know, Craig, in the end, it's it's about a moral core. I mean, somebody else should pay your bill that you contracted to pay. And the person that pays is going to be the taxpayer who actually yeah. pays his bills. That's what always got me about this, why it was so immoral <laughs> and, and, and and just wrong, is that you could have done this differently if you wanted to. A, focus on practical majors, whether it's STEM or pre-med, science, nursing, engineering. But also, let's say, they, let's say Joe Biden had come up with a with a plan 
that actually split the burden. All right. Let's say you're, you pay 250 bucks a month on your college loan. Right. The recipient for a while pays 100. Government pays 50. The bank pays 50. The school pays 50. How easy it is share, you know, share the relief. But that didn't happen. And why? Because Joe didn't even bother to think about it. Right. It didn't occur to them because they see the American public, the U.S. taxpayer, as this vast money pit that you could just scoop it out like it's an all you can eat buffet without a without a cover and it, it really is no better than a smash and grabber that's how they look at you that should drive you insane that is just one more oxymoron about the biden administration the entire administration everything joe biden has done in office he's he's just one thing at a time blowing his chances to end his administration as president with any kind of credibility. The way he's going, he's in the running to be the absolute worst ever president of the United States, and he doesn't think he's doing anything that people don't like. In other words, Joe Biden, many other Democrats in office, they don't give one rip about the rule of law. They don't care what's right what we should do and what we shouldn't do. You know what their driving philosophy is? Hey, just whatever you want to do, go fly by the seat of your pants. Don't worry about your obligations. The federal government is going to take care of all of it. You don't have to worry about this. Why is it? I'm Joe Biden. He thinks and he acts like he can do anything that he wants to do. And that's what he does. That's literally what President Biden does. Now, we'll go back a little bit. You know who Jack Smith is. He's the special counsel, and he was appointed, and the way he was appointed and who he is based upon what the mandate that created the special counsel position created by who? Uh, The United States Congress. You know, those people that represent the people, we the people, they're the ones that we sent up there, not President Joe Biden. Jack Smith was named special counsel, and his appointment is unconstitutional. That's not me talking. That's a former attorney general. And this attorney general is not just saying it. He has filed the brief with the Supreme Court to kick Jack Smith out as special counsel. I'm not joking. Jack's appointment as special counsel is unconstitutional. And therefore, the Supreme Court's got to reject his petition against Donald Trump. Lawyers that are representing former Attorney General Ed Meese and two top constitutional scholars in the country argued this in a brief filed on Wednesday with the Supreme Court. Their amicus is what this called. It means, amicus means friend of the court. That's the name of this brief. It argues that Smith lacks authority to represent the United States by asking the Supreme Court to weigh in. That's called a petition for sorturary because the office he holds has not been created by Congress and his appointment violates the Appointments Clause of the U.S. Constitution. Basically, what it says is this filing essentially claims 
Attorney General Merrick Garland improperly appointed Smith to an office that does not exist with authority that Garland does not have. Meese, Stephen Calbrisi, the co-chairman of the Federalist Society, Gary Lawson, a prominent constitutional law professor, they first argue that only Congress can create federal offices like Smith currently holds, which Congress has not done. Wow. So while the Constitution creates the offices of president, vice president, Congress has the sole authority to create any additional offices because the Constitution says those offices must be established by law. Congress previously passed a law to authorize a similar position called an independent council, but that statute expired more than 20 years ago. Merrick Garland cannot hire a mere employee to perform tasks that Congress has not authorized. That's according to the Constitution and these constitutional attorneys. Only an officer can hold such a significant level of authority. In creating the Department of Justice, Congress gave it certain powers by law. Yet, it authorized no office with all the powers of a U.S. attorney that Garland has given to Smith. This amicus brief further argues, even if one somehow thinks that existing statutes authorize appointment of standalone special counsels with the full power of a U.S. attorney, Smith was not properly appointed to that office. They assert even if special counsels were authorized by Congress, anyone in possession of those powers would require presidential nomination and confirmation by the U.S. Senate. That never happened. No appointment and no confirmation hearings. Moreover, the brief argued that Smith has so much power, just like a U.S. attorney, he's a principal officer under the Constitution's Appointments Clause. That means he must first be nominated by the president, then confirmed by a majority of the Senate. Improperly appointed, he has no more authority to represent the United States in this course than does Bryce Harper, Taylor Swift, or even Jeff Bezos. That's a little extreme to mention, but I think it gets the point, right? Although these briefs focus on saying the Supreme Court should refuse Smith's petition for the high court to take the case, its argument would mean that lower federal courts should dismiss all of Smith's prosecutions, including all of his pending charges against who? The orange man, Donald Trump. Meese served as attorney general for President Reagan during a time when independent counsels were authorized by Congress and did serve a very significant role. This case now is called the United States v. Trump, number 23-624 in the Supreme Court of the United States. It's already there. (laughs) Mainstream media, you saw and heard about this story yesterday, didn't you? No, you didn't. I wonder why. You want to hear another Supreme Court falapple that's out there? You really won't? You really want to hear it? (laughs) Okay. 
just relax a little bit. Go get you whatever it is you drink this kind of day. Come back after you hear from Celine Dion. What a song. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of a
nobody better. Nobody than Celine Dion. Sad news about her this week, and you may want to remember her during this Christmas season. Complications from what's called stiff person syndrome, which is a very rare neurological condition. It causes spasms and muscle rigidity, have caused Celine Dion to cancel her Courage World Tour through 2024. That's according to a statement that came out Friday. She postponed several performances this month early in December after learning the reason for her muscle pain and difficulties with mobility. She said, while we're still learning about this rare condition, we now know this is what's been causing all of the spasms that I've been having. Despite undergoing daily physical therapy, she's in a lot of pain. In her Instagram announcement of the tour's cancellation, she was quoted saying, I'm sorry, so sorry to disappoint all of you once again. I'm working really hard to build back my strength, but touring could be very difficult even when you're 100%. It's not fair to you to keep postponing shows. And even though it breaks my heart, it's best that we cancel everything now until I'm really ready to be back on stage again. I want you all to know I'm not giving up and I can't wait to see you again. I've never heard of that. Stiff person syndrome. How you know it is it's characterized by muscle rigidity and spasms, heightened sensitivity to stimulus such as sound and lights, and also emotional distress that can cause muscle spasms. That's according to the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Over time, people with the condition can develop hunched-over postures. It typically begins with muscle stiffness in the middle part of the body, the trunk and the abdomen, before advancing to stiffness and spasms in the legs and other, other muscles. She's got one of the greatest voices of all time. I mean, nobody can credibly say otherwise. She's quite a singer, big heart. Yeah, she's got embroiled a little bit in some uh, very controversial political things, and I don't want to go down that road. I'm just going to say this. Over the next few days, when you're listening to good music, think of her name, Celine Dion. And uh, she's Canadian, but she is one of us. She spends far more time in the United States of America. In fact, Caesars Casino in Las Vegas Years ago, they signed a long-term contract with her, and they were so in the tank for Celine Dion in this contract, they went to Montreal, where she is from, and where she had built her uh, all-time home forever for her. And Caesars World imitated her Montreal home in Las Vegas exactly so she would be at home. And I think it was a 15-year contract she had. So obviously, a lot of people in the professional world think a lot of Celine Dion. Now, I told you, and we've been doing this now for a little over an hour and a half. We've been bringing you just the big, big, big stories overnight. There have been some big ones. But some experts came out, and those experts come out every day. I mean, we have people on the left, the far left news people, are saying this stuff that the Colorado Supreme Court did by voting to eliminate 
or keep Donald Trump off the presidential ballot for 2024, Colorado won't see his name on the ballot. So besides that and the insanity that brings and all of the factual information we're getting every day now, according to one expert, the Supreme Court will reverse the Trump ballot removal, but they're not going to do anything about the insurrection question. Now, what does all that mean? Well, the court's likely going to strike down that Colorado court ruling that took Trump from the state's ballot. But the conservative majority on the highest court is likely to do so in a very narrow way that doesn't get into the weeds of whether Trump's actions constituted insurrection. That's according to a constitutional law expert. According to him, the Supreme Court may say the 14th Amendment's disqualification clause doesn't apply to the president, and that's a prediction by Horace Cooper, senior fellow with the National Center for Public Policy Research. He formerly taught constitutional law at George Mason University. That Supreme Court in Colorado, they ruled on the 19th, Trump is to be barred from the state's ballot because he engaged in insurrection by inciting his supporters to storm the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of 21. Because under Colorado election law, only qualified candidates can be put on the ballot, it would be wrongful for the Secretary of State to allow on the ballot a candidate disqualified under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which bars from office anybody who has previously taken an oath of office and later engaged in an insurrection. That's according to the law, the ruling. Lawyers for Mr. Trump immediately announced they intend to appeal it to the U.S. Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is highly likely to take this case fairly quickly. That's according to Cooper. Now, I'm not an attorney, but I've spoken with personally and I've read and listened to some very real constitutional experts. And though this expert is saying the court is not likely to weigh in on the 14th Amendment Clause 3 in what they say about the Colorado action, I disagree with. Why do I disagree with it? Well, you watch. Trump's folks are going to file that appeal probably on Monday, maybe Tuesday of next week. They're going to demand the Supreme Court take up that part of this and rule on it because, as everybody knows, I didn't say everybody believes, but as everybody knows, that is the pivotal piece of all of this action taking against Trump. The only way any of it can stand is if he is proven to have committed an act of insurrection as is defined in the 14th Amendment Clause 3. And the Supreme Court, not stupid, they know if they don't address that, it's just going to keep on coming. There is so much hatred for Donald Trump. Now, why is there so much hatred? Well, they don't want to visit with you about the realities of the Trump four years in office. What do the realities say? Look at the stats. Highest African-American employment rate in history. Lowest unemployment rate for African-Americans and for women. Incomes going up to higher levels ever 
than for African-American women and all American women. Tax cut, massive tax cuts. The left went crazy. We can't afford for you to stop bringing in government revenue. We can't pay our bills. We can't pay for Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security. Wah, wah, wah. The first year of Trump's presidency, after those massive tax cuts, the federal government received more tax dollars than ever before in history. We actually had a surplus. Why is that? The left don't understand this. When taxes go down, people spend through the daisy chain. Now, what does that mean? If you, an individual, you get paid $10 instead of the $7 you got paid last year, well, you've got three more dollars to spend. So what are you going to do? You're typically going to spend it. And it doesn't just stop there with you. Who do you spend it with? Well, you're paying a little more than you did the previous year. And that's not inflation. The way it works is it goes from the seller to the buyer. The buyer then spends more paying for goods and services from another seller. And so that seller, they pay more than they did because they have more than they had previously until the consumer gave it. So it turns over seven times is the number that we've heard about. And at the bottom of all this, well, there should be as much there as there was before uh, Donald Trump, right? Because he cut the taxes. The government doesn't have the money they had before. Yes, they do. And they have more because of the rollover of every dollar that comes into every pocket, corporate, private, or government. It doesn't matter. They have more. They can do more. Corporations gave raises. That's one of the products of when taxes are reduced. You can call it trickle-down economics if you want to. Give it a name, but that's the primary reason why they hate Donald Trump, because he was successful. And it's not for him. Do you realize his net worth dropped by estimates from pros over $2 billion during the four years that he was president of the United States? If you ask him about it, he wouldn't make a big deal out of it. And he said, $2 billion to a multi-billionaire, it doesn't mean a lot. It's worth it to me to help the people of the nation. When have you heard something like that come out of a Democrat's mouth? And then when they get elected, watch them follow up and be successful at doing what they promised to do. It doesn't happen. And that's why the people in the nation love him so much. And they know now better than ever that he did do great work because his political opponents, not the American people, but his political opponents and the far leftists that loved the way we were going towards a one-world government controlled in total by a small group of very powerful elected people at the top. And he tore that, that thing that they lusted for, being in total control, having all the power, they tore it to pieces. And the American people aren't stupid. They saw it. They recognized it. And they loved it. The Supreme Court, I think this is actually a place where we're going right now. 
that at least every conservative that serves in any part of the judiciary, the federal judiciary in the United States, they are lathering at the mouth to be able to get this in front of the American people and explain it. And explain it outside the political system. Do it from the judiciary. Do it from the law, not by whatever any politician assumes that they need to tell the American people this is what it really means. Have somebody that is part of the law, that's in the law, that has a career of being in the law. Forget about their political affiliation. Of course, the left can't do that. Oh, they just, they, they can't. Well, they could, but they won't. Until now, when they get slapped in the face with the facts of how evil this mob rule is, and even many on the left are scratching their noses saying, what in the heck is going on here? This is not the United States of America. We can't do this. We can't allow this to happen. They're saying that. They really are. Most Americans are really liking it too, by the way. What else big happened? Well, it's big because it's a story, but it's a sad story. Rudy Giuliani, he's in trouble. Former Mayor Rudy Giuliani just filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy less than a week after he was ordered to pay $148 million in a successful defamation lawsuit filed by a pair of former Georgia election workers. Morgan Mackay live in the newsroom with how Giuliani's reacting tonight. Morgan. Well, Steve, that bankruptcy filing likely isn't going to stop the city's former mayor from having to pay that $148 million. I uh, think you probably know today I did something that, of course, I would rather not do. No one really wants to do this, which was to declare bankruptcy. Former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani filing for bankruptcy in New York on Thursday as he faces hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. In court filings, Giuliani listed debts as high as $500 million and about $10 million in assets. I, I don't care if you see how much I have, how much I owe. I'm, I'm trying to pay it all. This bankruptcy filing comes less than a week after a jury ordered Giuliani to pay two former Atlanta election workers $148 million for falsely accusing them of cheating when they were counting votes in Georgia during the 2020 presidential election. Then a judge on Wednesday ruled that the election workers do not have to wait the standard 30 days to go after Giuliani's assets and could start collecting immediately. But former federal prosecutor Scott Tenley says that even though Giuliani has filed for bankruptcy, he is not going to be able to make all of his debts disappear, especially what he owes the election workers. So this $148 million judgment isn't going to go away in bankruptcy like other debts will. For example, his attorney's fees might be dischargeable. He might get rid of that. But the $148 million is going to stick. Tenley says that Giuliani is likely also going to have to testify under oath about his assets, something he avoided during the Georgia trial. This isn't something that is risk-free uh, for Rudy Giuliani. He might end up uh, on the stand under oath talking about a lot of things that he avoided testifying about in the trial. 
Recently, Giuliani has turned to promoting different products to help pay for his legal bills, including balance of nature supplements, which have been subject to several warnings by the FDA over false claims. Giuliani urged his watchers on his show America's Mayor Live to take the supplements every day and even use the empty bottles as Christmas ornaments. This is my first attempt at using a balance of nature jar as a Christmas ornament. I got that idea the moment I saw it. Now, Giuliani put his East Side Manhattan apartment up for sale over the summer, a block away from Central Park. He recently lowered the selling price to $6.1 million, but the apartment still hasn't sold. Steve? All right, thanks, Morgan. Well, $6.1 million. Yeah, that, that shouldn't be much for Mayor Rudy. I mean, I don't think it would be a big deal. I can't imagine being in the condition that he's in. Sadly, when you know all of the details that got him there, I'm sure he made some mistakes, but that much money going to some election workers, no physical violence, nothing done like that. Does that sound a little bit like, um, oh, I don't know, mob rule? It does to me. Again, if you haven't been with us from the top of the show today, commercial free on TNN Live. We've been doing two things, just talking about a handful of the big stories of the week that um, most of them didn't come to the surface until yesterday and today. And they're really good things for the former president, Donald Trump, and for the rule of law and for the people of the United States. What we've been doing is listening to some of the greatest Christmas songs of all time, including this one from Pentatonics.
is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nation? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect love? Nothing more beautiful when a group sings in four-part harmony, and they do it so well. Pentatonics for Christmas. Well, Joe Biden's got a little bit more of um, bad information, bad circumstances that are not only happening on his watch. They didn't just begin. They've been going on since he's been president and some even before he took the oath of office after the election. And it's not really good. The unprecedented record-breaking flood of illegals crossing our border, it's not very usual at all. What do you mean? No, it's not. In fact, Biden's press secretary said yesterday, what we're seeing here at the border, the migration flow, increased migration flow, certainly. But it ebbs and flows. Corrine Jean-Pierre told the White House daily press conference yesterday. She said, we're at a time of the year where we're seeing more at the border, and it's not unusual. Jean-Pierre. By the way, she's an immigrant from Haiti herself. You put that, what she said, it's not unusual in the context of, I don't know, the truth. And she comes off looking like uh, she's either a liar or she's very stupid. U.S. apprehensions of migrants at the border hit a new all-time record in American history Monday with at least 12,600 encounters during a period of just 24 hours. Breitbart News reported December the 18th that Biden's illegal inflow has reached 8,800 migrants per day in the first half of just the month of December. Border Patrol agents assigned to the southwest border with Mexico, they apprehended approximately 121,000 illegals crossing the border during the first 15 days of December. 121,000. That means we're looking at a quarter of a million. 250,000 or approximately this month. Oh, and those are the ones that we just know about. Another 11,000 are listed as gotaways. Video courtesy of Texas Congressman Representative Tony Gonzalez shows the inside of Border Patrol's Firefly Tent Processing Center in Eagle Pass. Following mass illegal crossing, he said the hand at the end of the video was a DHS official trying to block his view because they're ashamed. Jean-Pierre's answer came after she was asked, 
What more should the White House be doing at the border? And what more has the president been doing to address the situation we've seen over the last week or two, especially with this latest surge? She answered, and you know probably what I'm going to tell you that she said, she blames Republicans for this record inflows of more than 10,000 people a day, 10,000 a day. Quote, so obviously we're having those negotiation conversations in Congress to get more funding because we understand, the president understands, that we need to do more. In reality, the Republicans have rejected Biden's request for more money to operate these programs to fly and bus migrants up from South America his programs to register and release migrants at the border, and his programs to bus and house more of them here in America across our cities. Biden's funding would be a magnet for more of it, GOP senators said on December the 7th. Jean-Pierre also blamed the GOP for noticing and criticizing the fact that Biden has opened the border to migrants. She said, also, you know, as important is the message that we have to send to to smugglers, right? We have to be very, very mindful because they also put out misinformation. So we try to be mindful there as well. Oh, man, that makes me feel warm and fuzzy. What about you? In reality, and Joe Biden doesn't live there, but if he did, he'd know that he and his deputies are extracting the migrants from very poor countries because they believe foreigners have a right to move into American society and because they want to stimulate the U.S. consumer economy with more government-funded consumers, wage-cutting workers, and apartment-sharing renters. Arizona Border Patrol agents tell a group of roughly 300 migrants to start walking to the first camp as transport is hard to get out to this spot at the wall in Lukeville. They take off in a mad dash. And Allie Brady, filing this report, said, I'm in the middle of it all. In 2022, Biden imported 3.2 million Southern migrants. In addition to the normal inflow of 1 million legals and almost 1 million contract workers. That overall total added up to roughly 10 migrants for every seven births in the United States. When Donald Trump was president and the heat was on, when he first became president, the left were going crazy, going crazy, blaming him for everything that he inherited from Obama. And so what did Trump do? He fixed it. He cut a deal with the Mexican president. And the Remain in Mexico policy was implemented. And it almost stopped the illegal migrants coming into the United States, something that worked. Do you think, do you actually believe that Joe Biden feels amazingly responsible for all these immigrants and the reason he is just opening up the southern border? In fact, he's declaring war on his own Border Patrol and ICE operations because he wants to get all of these people to the United States and they're going to make things better for us here because they work harder. They take less money. No. 
It's for one thing and one thing only. And you know what it is. More dependent people in the nation that rely on government tax dollars for everything. Yeah, some of them want to work. But let me just give you one example. More than half of the immigrants that come into this nation have a child or about to have a child. Or they do really want to come here and work and they get access to get some work. But almost every one of those people are on U.S. government subsidies. If there's a kid involved, they're automatically eligible for all kinds of financial plans and programs that are out there. Who's paying for all that? It doesn't matter if they're here legally or illegally. If they're here, government wants to give them anything and everything they really need and much of what they want on taxpayer dollars. There's only one reason they would want this, and you know what it is, to create turning these illegals at some point. The next time Democrats get control of all three houses of government, White House, Senate, House of Representatives, and they're going to pass a law that gives every one of these illegals the federal nationwide right to vote. That will immediately cement the Democrat Party as the controlling political class that control every part of their lives, these immigrants' lives, and mine and yours. I hate to end this show on a downer, but we need to look at the facts across the board and not just lock in on one or two that we think are the go-tos. Joe Biden is committing daily impeachable offenses by not enforcing the rule of law and letting all of these illegals come here illegally. It's not only impeachable. It should scare every American to death, so much so that we will do nothing unless and until whoever is in charge reverts this nation to operate totally on the rule of law that was created within the United States Constitution. Until then, you don't have any say-so, any opportunity to speak to me or others like me. You want to be President Joe Biden? Why don't you be president? Again, thank you so much for being a regular here at TNN Live. Special show today. I hope you enjoyed it. We touched on the big things that you needed to know in the news, and you got some good Christmas music to start your Christmas holiday. If you're traveling, be safe. Be cautious. If you're recently losing someone, We'll pray with you and for you this holiday season. It's tough to lose a loved one, period. But around holidays, it's really tougher. God bless you all. And I can't wait to talk to you on Monday here at TNN Live. The 
Toy shop door is locked up tight And everything is quiet for the night When suddenly the clock strikes twelve The fun's begun The dolls are in their best array There's going to be a wonderful parade Hark to the drum, oh here they come Cries Here they come, here they come, here they come, wooden soldiers on parade. 